0: The Weekend Variety Wireless.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Sunday edition of The Weekend Variety Wireless. A cracking show for you. A fresh outsider tale from Jared Hindmarsh. And this is one hell of an amazing story. I reckon the bloke should be on our money. His name's Richard Henry, the world's first conservationist. He got so much right and worked so hard for a decade. Dunkirking native birds, mainly kakapo and kiwi, uh, from the mainland to an island sanctuary. Brilliant, isn't that a great idea? Did 700 of the buggers. Single-handedly, try it out. He lived in this little shack on Resolution Island. But before any of that happened, I'm going to read you a little bit of, from uh, his biography by Jonathan and Susan Hill. And if it wasn't for them, not many people would know about Richard Henry at all. He tried to explain to authorities and academics that this is what we needed to do to save the native animals because he saw the stoats and the rats doing the damage. No one would listen to him. He wasn't university educated. He wasn't part of the elite. He couldn't stand the way that the uh, educated classes, the the serious scientists of our biology, uh, their main tool was a gun. And they just shoot the birds and stuff them and go, oh well, yeah, we've got a stuffed one now, that'll do. He cared about how they lived in the wilds, but no one would listen to him. He'd been unlucky in love, seen his brother get killed in front of him in a milling accident, his mother died on the trip over from Ireland. He was down. He was pretty down. This from the biography. Quietly and rationally, he carried out his plan, certain that none would suffer by his action, that he had settled all his debts to the last shilling and that his body would be unidentified. Henry crept shakily away like a wounded animal to die in a quiet corner apart. He stumbled across a bridge somewhere and scattered his last few shillings about uselessly. He then took out a six-chambered revolver and shot himself in the head. The bullet lodged in his skull, but didn't penetrate. So he loaded the gun again and pointed it at his head and the gun jammed. And he thought, oh, maybe there's a sign in this. So we walked to Auckland Hospital and survived. Uh, And that's really where his conservation story starts. Can we make this into a movie? Peter Jackson, please that story in full after 11 o'clock. But we've got a bit of a kākāpō bonus today. That's a kākāpō. There's a gorgeous book called Kākāpō Rescued from the Brink of Extin- Extinction. It was gonna be plucked from the pr- Brink of Extinction, but I think the, uh, the the marketing wing said that not a good idea. Uh, won best science writing when it came out about six or seven years ago, and it's been updated and reissued. I forgot to tell people yesterday that we've got a copy on offer, so uh, I'll make the rules up as I go along. We'll keep it open all week and we'll draw the winner next Sunday. How's that? So you've got heaps of time to tell your friends if you would like a copy of the book. Here's all you have to do. Go to the Weekend Variety Wireless webpage, use the email form, say you'd like to win the Kākāpō book. You can tell me why if you like, but it's not really gonna matter because I'll just randomly pick one and I'll throw them all into a virtual bucket and there will be one winner and you'll get sent that beautiful book, the reissue, Kākāpō from the Brink of Extinction, because that'll be just about when Bird of the Year's pulling up stumps as well. It's really been quite exciting. The media attention has been hilarious, um, hilariously brilliant, uh, I did create a bit of a ruckus when I was managing the Grey Warbler, the campaign that actually won in 2007. Yes, it won. Um, I, I said some things in the heat of the moment. I was tired. I was emotional. That's code, isn't it, for just drunk at 3am. I was tired and emotional. and I said some terrible things about other people's birds. Um i've since apologized but this sort of skullduggery uh that's going on and the very seriousness in which this competition has been taken is i think a wonderful thing it's hilarious and other people are really really buying into how serious it is more than even the serious the people who are making out it's serious larry williams was interviewed by uh kimberly collins about the bird of the year and the hacking from the shag campaign out of Australia. Oh yeah, good one, Australia. Shag, (laughs) is it funny? It's a bird that sounds like a root. (laughs) It's a shag. Um, So they hacked. Larry was calling for, a. I think he was calling for a parliamentary inquiry. This isn't good enough, forest and Bird. So that was kind of funny. All right. Alison Balance will be our guest, ahead of the Richard Henry story. And she'll chip in her five cents worth as well about this amazing character called Richard Henry. Don't miss him. And don't forget that the uh, Outsiders Archive will be there as well, with Richard Henry at the top once it's done. Okay. That's That's outrage, isn't it? Need something different from my grievance. This is my grievance number 166 uh, coming up. Because guess what happened Uh, this week? My grievance number 165 made it on to Colin Peacock's um, media what's it thing with Karen Hay. It was Tamar Munkus here. Chip in if you like.
2: Hello. It's it, exciting.
1: Uh, it's always exciting, I isn't it? Know. I I Colin's a marvellous man. Um, he does listen to this programme. Yeah. Um, he does the proper version of what we do. That's right. We, he does
2: yeah.
1: the grou- grown-up one. The grown-up
3: one. Grown up. Uh, Graham Hill at Radio
1: Live, picking out one particular cliché from the news which I know uh, annoys him. And this is on the Weekend Variety Wireless show that Graham does. And uh, let's have a listen to Graham unloading on this particular cliche. My grievance number 165 today, uh, Mark and listeners, is in the Southern Hemisphere as a designator. It is so freaking lame. It's the rubbish hemisphere It's the hemisphere where not much happens. I spotted two this week. And if you spot one at home, please do tell me. I'm going to collect them. Here's one from this week. I mean... How grand is this claim? Games Games is in its 15th year and is said to be the largest sporting event for 11 to 13-year-olds in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> for
3: 11 to 13-year-olds!
4: In the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, so if, if
1: he's listening, that's Jeremy can join Graham Hill's support group. I like the way he um, he numbers his grievances there. Perhaps we should do that too, get a spreadsheet going or something like that. Is it one a week? or? Oh, yeah, I think he, he brings up one a week and then lets his guests talk about them. But uh, I think that number... System he's got there is exaggerated for effect. Whoa! Although I could fill it in, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think
2: that you started at one five seven.
1: Yeah, I started at one five seven just yeah. to make it sound good. He's onto it, you see, Colin. You can't pull
2: the wall over no. Colin's eyes. No, he's oh. all over it. It
1: was just love. That was just a huge, big, fat skite uh, today. <laughs> but uh, nice one, Colin. Thank you, because I take my grievances seriously.
2: Well, there have definitely been 157 grievances before that first of course, one.
1: Of that was just a conservative guess.
2: Exactly. As to how
1: many I might have had this year.
2: Formal grievances. Yeah,
1: before I started it officially. Uh, grievance number 166. Go and find yourself a documentary about the kings and queens of England. And about 99 times out of 100, they think it begins in 1066. Why? <laughs> Why do they think it begins in 1066? What is so poisonous about the Anglo-Saxons? They had a better system than Johnny Frog brought over. The whole class system building a bloody castle to protect themselves from the people mm. when previously defensive walls were around the whole town. Mm. That says something. Mm. We're still living it with with it today. People, you know, you, you get your... Dated
2: communities
1: your, and
2: whatnot.
1: Your gentrified... Oh... Beaumont de Lacy's, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm. That's all the Normans. Norman the Conqueror. (laughs) William the Bastard, is what he was known as. Um, There were kings before that. Yeah, There weren't any queens, although there were some of places like Mercia and Wessex. Well, who the hell's Alfred the Great? (laughs) Come on, Alfred the Great, Canute the Great, two of the greats. (laughs) The only two that are called great... Edgar the Peaceful. Marvellous story. Edward the Martyr, banged on the head. And then his ne'er do well brother, uh, Ethelred uh, the Unready. And a, a racist massacre took place. He just told everybody, find a Dane and kill them. And they'd been living there for ages. It was, there are just incredible stories. And yet, you get stuff like this. The story of the kings and queens of England. It's a fine drama, a thousand years of tales of lust. 1,400 at least, please. Betrayal. This episode, the first of six, it tells the story of the English crown from 1066
4: to... (coughs) 1216. From one French invader, William, to the next.
1: Why? 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 Uh, Please fix this up. People are making documentaries, and we don't need 15 introductions before you start going into your that'll be grievance next week too many introductions and documentaries mm. all right uh, so if you want the kakapo book use the email form say so i'll give you another week no matter what i say during the interview later on in the evening next up media stick proper with tamar weekend variety wireless sir paul hello hello new zealand I heard that during the recording of Let It Be, you were hitting on Yoko when John was down the road getting some smokes. Tremendous interview that turned out to be Mm. uh, with uh, Sir Paul McCartney, or Sir James, as he should be known. It's his first name. We have Beatle News later on this hour as well. Tamar, very excited about that. Good. Been watching MasterChef?
2: No, I haven't. Okay. No, but you can tell me about it.
1: Oh, I really haven't got a lot to say other than um, I have a feeling of chagrin when you've got one with a really good nickname. Oh, yeah. And they're gone. You can't yeah. use the nickname anymore. Yeah. Mr. G, uh, he he went this week. VJ Singh's still there, Barbecue Ben, uh, who's, who's got a voice like someone who owns a ute with a bull bar and a bloody big dog. Oh, yeah. And he's the sort of chef that sounds like, you need some sauce with that. Oh, I've got both flavours, red and brown. Yeah. Uh, but he's still made it through, and he's, mm-hmm. he's cooking like a demon, which is marvellous. Some young guy's still there. <laughs> um, I haven't got a nickname for the other little one. Anyway.
2: I've got a little, um, my complaint number 112. Okay. This, this morning in the Sunday, I'm going to call it right out, the Sunday magazine of the Sunday Star Times, they had an interview with one of the blokes from My Kitchen Rules. And the nature of the interview is that it's each question has two choices. So it's, you know, do you like lemonade or Coca-Cola, mm. for instance? And they have to pick one of the two. Now, one of the options was asking him to choose between my kitchen rules and MasterChef. What a stupid, bloody waste of a question. Yeah. Waste of a question. Why would you do that? I don't know. He hosts the bloody show. Yeah. Well, you trying to create some kind of, an, you know, diplomatic incident. Yeah. Between the cooking shows. Anyway, that's my beef. Don't the jo- waste a question on a yeah. stupid bloody Q&A where you could have asked him something interesting.
1: Yeah, and that advice today, this comes to from a PR consultant. That's for free. Mm. That's for free this evening. That's right. That's on your friggin' knees. Say thank you to Tamar. Yeah. Um... The judges stay there though. That's good. No, yapping chihuahua, George.
2: He is a yapping chihuahua.
1: Is it chihuahua when the chihuahua tries to look angry? Restaurants though. And then there's nappy neck.
2: Oh yeah. Oh hey, you know how as well that that chaps should be on the dollar bill, the guy that you're talking to. Richard Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Not talking to. But talking about. Yeah. um, I met somebody else who should be on a dollar bill this week. Who is the lady who invented? Kiwi onion dip,
1: oh, rosemary
2: Dempsey,
1: yeah.
2: Oh, what a patriotic, yeah. wonderful yeah. New Zealander. Yeah, I mean,
1: what well, questions this week raised by New Zealand First? What are New Zealand values?
2: Kiwi onion dip.
1: Kiwi onion dip. Bugger the rest of it. You do what you like.
2: Yeah. How do you make kiwi onion dip? That should be the question That's that gets it. you in the country. Exactly. There you go. What's her name again? Rosemary
1: Dempsey. I'm never going to forget that. Yeah.
2: What's
1: her name again? <laughs> Rosemary Dempsey.
2: See, there you go. She, her nobody knows. Mm. She's just been there tinkering away in the Nestle kitchen.
1: Yeah. Were you surprised at exactly how clearly and forthrightly um, the first half of the word countryman came out from Eugenie Sage this <laughs> week? And she didn't even hear it herself?
2: I was quite taken aback
1: because it was big and bold and
2: it was like it was an intentional statement
1: she got a bet going on amongst the cabinet or something maybe Maybe so
2: and it was a it was at 6.51 you know not many people watching the tally at 6.51 a.m
1: no, I suppose not.
2: So maybe she was just trying to slip slip it by the what's that cricket term?
1: <laughs> while the kiddies were watching. <laughs>
2: yeah, just while the During kiddies the were school watching. School
1: holidays. Yeah. Okay. Oh dear. We have to bleep it because it's 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 one of the de- demon words.
2: Yeah. Uh, now there'll be the control work done between now
4: and mid-November. Further meetings of the tar liaison group and the. The too, have committed to doing a big educational effort so that they shoot the female atar, not just the bulls, which have got this magnificent mane, which they like to hunt. So it's a more collaborative process going forward.
2: And the <laughs> hunters, too, have committed to doing a big...
1: Yeah, it's colours and hunters. Yeah. But it's... never mind.
2: Uh, it's the old Jeremy Hunt trip-up, isn't yeah. it, that the beeps had a few times in the past. Yes, the the British true. politician Jeremy Hunt that occasionally gets... Uh, yeah, people into some trouble. She didn't even flinch though. No, and actually bless him, neither did Daniel Faitawa, who's oh. the, who was doing the interview.
1: Yeah, true.
2: Just absolute yeah. consummate professional. Yeah, trucked on through. I no need to make. A so fuss. while I was spluttering out the coffee, nothing to see here. He was just <laughs> carry on
1: nothing yeah. nothing nothing okay yeah. uh we'd like to salute a hoaxer ellen Abel. Uh, tell us about him.
2: Yeah, so this chap died uh, just uh, la- late last month, and um, I came across on the on the media podcast, which is a good little podcast out of America. Um, they had a short segment dedicated to him, to his memory. Um, he was a notorious hoaxer, pretty active, I think, through the seventies and eighties in America. Um, and when I say hoaxer, so he's one of these guys that that created um fake news
1: yeah fun fake news when
2: it was still a fun thing to do um he he famously faked his own death um so much so that he actually it caused uh, the New York Times to run the, run an obit he actually had a, a series of other sources to confirm that he had in fact passed away etc cetera, etc cetera. so mm. that was in 1980 and this year um when he he has actually died. The the headline on his obituary is Alan Abel, Ho- hoaxer extraordinaire, is, in brackets, on good authority, dead at 94. It's just, he lived a life with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. And yeah. I salute him, just absolutely hats off. I wasn't familiar with him until I listened to this. Um, but he did some really great stuff, one of which was... Um, a campaign to clothe animals mm. so any animal that was over four inches high <laughs> any four-legged mammal so
1: over f- f- pictures of horses yeah. with, with uh, bermuda pants on
2: the, absolutely the horses were a massive issue in yeah. this particular campaign obviously and and cats and dogs equally as much and i think that there was somebody i think it was walt cronkite uh, yes. famously
1: yeah.
2: got Hey, it's you know, probably to this guy's death, was annoyed at him because
5: he'd got tripped up in this hoax reported Here's, on
1: it. We've got some Alan Abel talking about that and
5: more. Abel made a name for himself inventing characters and causes and turning the joke on the media. In 1980, he staged his own death and got himself an obituary in the New York Times decades ago he created a fast-talking character named omar who taught classes on panhandling the news media ate it up
1: Omar's intensive training course takes a week and costs $100. For that, students are taught gimmicks to suit their personalities and locations that Omar handpicks for maximum cash flow.
6: Aspiring beggars take five two-hour classes from this hustler. He says he's launched
1: thousands of careers.
5: So how do we know who is truly homeless and who is a con man? His primary intent, Mr. Abel often said, was to, quote, give people a kick in the intellect. To carry out his hoaxes, he sometimes enlisted the help of his daughter, Jenny, who grew up with this madness and preserved it for all to see in the documentary, Abel Raises Cain. I spoke to them both about 10 years ago, and I first asked Alan about an early hoax of his, Cena, the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. Cena's mission was as refined as it was revolutionary to clothe all naked animals for the sake of decency, mainly any animal that
3: stands higher than four inches or longer than six inches. We wanted to put Bermuda shorts on horses, jumpsuits on cats, moo-moos on cows, and a nude horse was a rude horse in our estimation.
5: (laughs) Now, you didn't have a larger message here, right? You were just having fun?
3: No, no, it was a test against censorship. If we're going to censor books, records, films, why not censor those naked animals out there? How do you explain to a three-year-old child why Rover the dog is naked and mom and dad aren't? You can't. So he or she grows up with a double standard. They run away from home. They get pregnant. They take up smoking drugs. And uh, we have to stop that. So that was my message.
5: (laughs) Okay. And it quickly gained a number of very serious adherents who didn't realize it was a joke
3: oh, starting with walter cronkite he did a full seven minutes on the cbs network about 40 years ago and he's still angry today i heard this from a friend of a friend of buck henry's walter is still angry after all these years that he got fooled by that crazy campaign he's not mad at hitler mussolini or saddam he's mad at us for fooling him about clothing naked animals <laughs> Oh, he is beautiful.
2: I mean, it's just, he's really delightful. And um, I think as well, you know, if you think about the 70s, the 80s, when he was doing this stuff, this was not just create a fake email and send out, you know, a scam to, you know, Nigerian scam email. Mm. I've got a million dollars if you contact me kind of thing. He had to create... Uh, fake fake identities, disguises, letterheads, companies—you know—have have a whole line of people that were in cahoots with him in order to really sell this. And he got on multiple television news um, shows in in these diff- as these different characters talking about these different campaigns. And they always had that kind of point, which I think is the nice. You know, he wasn't just doing it to be a little shit
1: There there was an elegance to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And an an intelligence to it. Yeah,
1: nice.
2: Yeah, anyway.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, I was listening to News Talk ZB on Thursday. Andrew Dickens, uh, whom I've known for a very long time, and a really, really weird thing happened. This was in the middle of the Simon Bridges is in big trouble for... Mm stupid embarrassing thing that he was talking about what a weird thing to do anyway that was what was the rub mm. for the day's talk and this happened i really don't quite know what to make of it but here it comes
4: Here's talks uh with andrew dickens 0800 is the number to phone hello jacob
6: Ah uh, yes, hi there. Just um, want to know actually, just a little bit off topic. Have you guys heard any rumours? Uh, if this is true about Simon Simon Bridges and about to announce his resignation?
4: No, we have not heard any of those rumours.
6: Nothing at all. Sorry, hmm. I'm just one of the reporters here for news. Hub. We're just getting word around that it has that is the case. Just wondering if anything has floated around your office at all.
4: Don't worry, mate. If we uh, knew that, we would be broadcasting it if it was
6: broadcastable. Yeah, I just think it's crazy that he's if, if he does do that. What do you what do you reckon about him wanting to announce his resignation?
4: This is your show. This is a talk back show, not a talk at show.
6: Yeah, I just just to just just to get your theory and then you, you say your idea and then I'll bounce off you and then we'll just go back and forth like a um like a, like a tennis match.
4: <laughs> I don't think he's had a good week. Uh, I would say that there there is a bit of a leadership vacuum there.
6: I hear hang on, hang on. Is that it is? Yeah, apparently it is. He's about to announce his resignation. Jacob, <laughs> who the hell are you? Uh, so I'm just one of the reporters for News Hub. Are you really? Yeah. Hang okay. on.
4: Andrew, could you talk to this man and find out
1: whether he's deluded or not? I think he just got pawned. You yeah. Know? That's, it was a, it's Was it been a long time since we've had uh, prank callers.
2: Oh, bring back prank callers. Why not? Oh. Love them. Callers?
1: Yeah, prank go us. On. Yeah, yeah, you uh, can. Put, <laughs> some, <laughs> put some thought into it.
2: Yeah, no, good ones. Not like, is your fridge running? Don't want any of that
1: rubbish. Oh, yes, yeah. I pranked a, my boss when I was working at Radio Sport and I'm ju- I'm admitting to it now because he, he he was really really unhappy and so I di- I just didn't say I did it I didn't I just didn't I was surprised how angry he might be mm. I thought he thought it was going to be fun because Laurie Maines the rugby coach was in the news a lot at the time for something or other and I thought now's now's where I do it so I find a funeral directors and I find the number and just write down on. Malcolm Jordan's pad, please call <gasps> Myra <laughs> Maines, M-A-N-S, at, and you put down the funeral directors. Oh, Myra remains. Oh, okay. Well, it must be something to do with Laurie. It rings up, is Myra Maines there? <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you did, sir. Oh. Uh, he didn't like it, That's anyway. It's like a
2: really good Bart Simpson one, isn't it? Calling yeah. most heaven.
1: It was irresistible. I foot tripped, um... Uh, uh, um... Th- the boss at ZB as well fell flat on his face. <laughs> Bill Francis.
2: You'd get done for... He
1: laughed. He said, oh, that was great. Health it's been and been a long safety time since breaches
2: anyone. and assault and all sorts of things yeah, now. Yeah,
1: yeah. You'd have,
2: you'd have an outrage thing just playing as you did it. <laughs> And then you'd get done for a whole bunch of things.
1: All right. Uh, well, that's a double hoax uh, leading us. Yeah, love us... a good
2: hoax. There yeah.
1: you go. Uh, we haven't forgotten about the week of Ghana. And it was very, very Ghana y week, wasn't it? Mm. We'll do that after these commercial messages. The weekend. Variety. Wireless. Media stick with myself, Graham Hill, and Tamar Moog. Uh, Tamar, have you ever been in that situation when you've been at school? You might be five or six years old, mm. and your mother runs in into the class oh. while the class is happening and says, Graham, Graham, you've forgotten to take your worm pills. Yeah. It's it's not a nice thing to happen, is it? Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well that happened this week with None other than Simon Bridges. Simon. At number two, a
7: senior source inside the National Party got hold of me yesterday to say Jamie Lee Ross, who stood down for personal reasons, is, quote, highly pissed off with Bridges for saying the matter was
1: embarrassing. Sensitive, you know, um, uh, perhaps actually a bit embarrassing, or, you know, a lot embarrassing, potentially. Sensitive, uh, perhaps embarrassing I- issues. A lot embarrassing. A lot embarrassing. Yeah. Uh,
2: what an awful thing to do to a person. That is like you forgot your worm, t- your yeah. Your worm pills. Yeah.
1: God. Anyway, uh, it's a Ghana fest. Ghana versus Marama of the Green Party. Anything oh, you want to say?
2: here's the thing. I've already given a little bit of free um, PR consultant advice tonight, but I'll do it again. Okay. Just, you know, in case people are listening. When you're a person that's going to go in and do an interview about something, it's quite useful to know what you're going to go in and talk about. Yeah. That's pretty much...
1: Have some key points.
2: Media training 101. Yeah. And often, especially if you're a politician, know a bit more about it than the person that's interviewing you is quite useful as well. So when I watched this... I did throw a couple of things in the direction of the television, I must say.
7: Right. They're so wanting to bump up welfare payments and remove some of these sanctions placed on beneficiaries. So we're joined by Green Party co leader, uh, Marima Davison. Good morning, Marima.
8: Morena mari.
7: What is it? So, you want, um, what is it you want? What What's of levels do you want the
8: benefit to be? Yeah, so the levels of benefit need to be something where you can actually live, pay the rent, and buy healthy kai and pay the power bill as well for So, would you go back to pre 1991 levels? So we want to increase what the benefits currently are at the moment. And those big cuts, um, we haven't really moved properly on since then. So what would the cost of that be? Um, So the cost of it, of having people struggling, is enormous. No, no, no,
7: the cost of increasing benefits by 20%.
8: So there's an example of removing sanctions um, and MSD. No, 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 the
7: cost of benefits yeah, increasing.
8: I don't have the full cost, um, but reasonable compared to what we lose when we don't allow people to make their sh- income. If you, if you want to go up 20% mm. on current benefit levels, you must know the cost. On some of the benefits, so not across all of them. Oh, which ones? Um, so particularly the sole parent. Um, we know that that's a real struggle at the moment. Yep. Um, that's really tough on children. DPB? Yeah, that's the sole parent um, benefit. Well, and also removing sanctions. You? What do we spend on DPB? No, I don't know. That cost off the top of my head. But it's not enough. It's not enough at the moment. And as I keep saying, it causes problems further down the track. But shouldn't you know cost well.
7: the cost of, 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 of these benefit levels? And shouldn't you know the cost to increase them by 20% if, you, if it's your
8: policy? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, but what I do know is it's costing us our values and our morals um, in terms of not looking after all of our country. So is it affordable? Yeah, absolutely. you don't know the cost. Yeah, it's affordable because (laughs) it costs us. Yeah, I know I don't have that on my head right now. And making sure people get involved in the conversation. What is it you're really
7: trying to achieve here? Because you you just want a a conversation about welfare. Because to me, you've come here today without uh, specifically armed with any statistics or facts or figures. You just want to have some well, sort of eerie-fairy chat about welfare.
8: I, oh, it's not an eerie-fairy chat. We know that it's not eerie-fairy that too many people are struggling to make ends meet at the moment. But and you're that's in government, you would have oh
1: to make ends Oh, my God.
2: Absolute punisher. Yeah. Just a punisher. I, that was a double I, conversation as well. I
1: have difficulty with every politician that stands, that's, that's, that's alive. It's just, they just end up just, that's rubbish talk. It's rubbish. Too.
2: It's just fluffy Get rubbish. Get the out
1: of the elephant cage. It's not fooling anybody. And
2: I'm sorry, but there is some boffin that can go, current expenditure is X, 20% more on X, A, B, C, D benefits is going to cost blah. Yeah. That's not that hard to do. That's an Excel spreadsheet.
1: Mm. And uh, Ghana... Think, i think he realized what he'd done he'd had a look at his work cleaned up the blood <laughs> and
2: <laughs> i mean he was losing the world to live during the yeah, interview actually when you sort of watch it go go past but, but he had a
7: lash the next thing was not he good yeah. one all right marama davidson
8: i don't have that on my head right now
7: yeah marama davidson co-leader of the greens aiming to revamp the welfare system and bump up payments to beneficiaries by 20 percent i'm staggered by the lack of facts and detailed knowledge that she showed in her interview with me this morning. No detail at all. She's exposed herself as being underdone at best and completely incompetent at worst. It's called flaky. I wonder how much longer James Shaw can actually put up with this. Okay, good morning to you. And um, Gary's come in again. Morning, that political interview, face palm. Ooh, says Gary. Yeah, we get it, Gary. Thanks for that, mate. Appreciate. Duncan, that's five minutes you'll never get back. What a waste of space she was. Seriously, do we pay this woman, uh, Kevin? We do. Probably about one hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars. She will know that. She knew that. It, she knew how much it costs for the America's Cup, but not about the um, the welfare system, which she wants to change. Honestly, if you get out of office,
1: that's what I.
2: don't get, hold back there, buddy. No,
1: he was enjoying his. He was standing back and enjoying his work. Yeah. Uh, which is that's the sort of work like you should be doing. It's like when
2: the cat brings the sort of half-dead rat with its gut spewing out onto uh, the doorstep.
1: Yeah. That's what he was doing. Yeah. and National has labelled Green co-leader Marama Davidson's interview with the
6: AM show today amateurish. Davidson was unable to give basic details on
1: proposed welfare reform.
2: Davidson wants a 20% increase to some benefit.
1: Now, it's not a good day. I wonder how she was feeling by the end of it.
2: Well, this was 12 hours later, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right.
1: Okay, and furthermore, just a bad interview, Ben, or are there greater concerns, do you think? Well, it was a bad interview. Um, it was it was terrible. A leader of a major political party, turning up without even the costings of their
6: policy, not knowing what current benefit levels were, showing a complete lack of familiarity with the cause that she was ostensibly championing, um, was a terrible look.
4: Um, right. I, 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 so, what do you say, Russell? Is she the right person to be the co-leader of the Green Party? Look, I, I agree with Ben. I think that uh, she was a terrible interview. She obviously needed to have those numbers. You can't walk
1: in having announced a policy and not know what it costs. I mean, that's it's not it's not one of the options on the table yeah and that's things that was, um, coming from the former green leader
2: exactly right it and sounds like was a hardware also, store that was <laughs> from today's new sub nation so this this went on for a yeah. week that yeah. she got absolutely slammed for
1: is russell norman you get a kettle there or would you buy wood
2: interest-free 18 months
1: i think so come down to russell norman okay uh <laughs> Theresa May. Most of this is just ABBA.
2: Yeah. But
1: where can people go and see this?
2: It's on YouTube uh, and it was, I think, on the Guardian website as well. Um, This is her entering, dancing dancing on stage to the Tory conference this year. Famously last year, where she coughed her way through and the letters fell off the wall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this was her trying to make a much better first impression.
1: Right. Yeah, she is boogieing people.
2: She's... It's very strange, and that was the reaction.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Politics has gone weird. Yeah. Please.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much for that warm welcome. Now, uh, can I just say, you will have to excuse me if I do cough during the speech. <laughs> I've been up all night supergluing the backdrop.
2: <laughs>
6: <clears throat>
2: right. Uh, nothing else she said was very interesting, to be fair. And actually, if you watch the Jonathan <laughs> Pie bit about her speech, it's yeah. better than her speech.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: I recommend that too, Jonathan Pye on YouTube.
1: Nice, good stuff. Oh, hell. We've got this Al Jazeera thing. Tell us about it.
2: Oh, yeah, I just stumbled across this. Um, Al Jazeera has some really great documentaries on, I I see them online. Um, And this one was about Facebook and censorship. And obviously, I mean, Facebook is now, what, one billion people in the world using it. Yeah. It's...
1: A private company that's the public square.
2: Yeah, like YouTube. And so one of the issues that is is um, facing these large corporations is, is how to censor user-generated content. And so there, there are these teams. I mean, you know, Facebook has their user guidelines and stuff, and there are these teams. And Al Jazeera infiltrated one of these content-moderating mm. groups, you know, organisations. Really interesting stuff. So there's hidden cameras and you're in there and you're seeing what they consider good, bad or otherwise. Um, And they've got interviews with the head of public policy Mm. for Facebook. Um, It it, it was just a very eye-opening look at, you know that the 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 language of something, so you can say um
1: oh yeah the Muslim immigrants muslim
2: out. Im, I don't, you know muslim immigrants should be out of the country, but yeah. you can't say Muslims should be out of the country, and right. that's because the first statement, according to facebook's guidelines yeah. is a comment about government policy yeah the second statement is is the hate speech,
1: yeah, I suppose so. Mm. I don't it's very, very hard to pair what is hate speech apart from what one person's hate speech is another person's political opinion. Yeah, yeah. and then
2: there's all sorts of other stuff of, you know, there's videos of self-harm, of, there's all sorts uh, of stuff, which is, that these people, I mean, God, I hope these people get some counselling after they've done what they're doing, because mm. they're just looking at the worst bits of the world constantly.
1: Mm. Okay, here's a little cut from said
0: thing. Yeah, because saying that they're thinking might be physical inferiority. Okay. If it said, like, Muslim immigrants come, for example, that would be deleted.
6: People are debating very sensitive issues on Facebook, including issues like immigration very currently, and that political debate can be entirely legitimate.
1: That's why you allow people to say, Muslim immigrants get out of Britain, but not Muslim get out of Britain.
6: We're trying to distinguish there uh, between hate speech which is against a class of people. Do you not
1: think Muslim immigrant get out of Britain is hate speech? Uh,
6: again, there, there, this is something that we've looked at in a lot of detail. It's very hard. It, it, this is right on that line. Is it hate speech? It's right on that line. We've not defined it as hate speech. If you are, again
1: you expressing a view about the government's immigration policy. And all right. So mm. you find it at Al Jazeera? Yeah. That's Mount just... Bashir, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Okay.
2: It was, and it was just in their special investigation section. And They've got a lot of um, really good documentaries, if you've got an interest in that kind of thing.
1: All right. Uh, I was listening to BBC World Service News Hour and they're uh, doing a thing on Leonard Cohen. I'll just play it as I uh, as I heard it. Here we go. His son Adam Cohen, also a musician who worked with him on his final album, has now written a foreword to a book bringing that collection together. Our arts editor Will Gompertz has been speaking to him. Suzanne takes you down
6: to her. If you listen to uh, most of his poems, there's a kind of 6/8 or 3/4 meter to them. I was always working steady, but I never called it art. You could pretty much break that down uh, on
1: any stanza of his, because that's how he heard it. He was hearing it in 6.8. Sorry, mate. It's not 6.8. <laughs> it's nowhere near it. It's not even cl- He's a musician. I mean, I've asked other people, can you hear 6.8 in here? 6-8? Yeah.
2: These
1: are the small things I worry about.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
1: And steady, but I never called
6: it art. You pretty much break that down on any stanza of his. because That's how he heard it. He was hearing it in 6-8. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. You
2: could do a thesis. Somebody's probably doing a thesis about where what 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 songs of Leonard's are six eight and what songs aren't. There you go. Yeah, you're going to say no nah. Just do your oh, ca- yeah?
1: countyy countyy thing. And it's six eight. It should be a countyy countyy. But that not no. Nowhere near it. Can't oh. find it. Not there. Stupid. Anyway, uh, Tamar, thank you very much. We'll have some Beatle news after the commercial break. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks tomorrow. Excellent, thank and, you. Y- y- anything else you wanted to add? I'm not chasing you.
2: No, all fine. Okay. Thank you.
1: Uh, New Zealand accent of the week conservationist at Zealandia Danielle Shanahan.
8: This is a big deal for us. The last time this happened was over ten years ago now, and mustelids can do so much damage to New Zealand wildlife.
1: Curiosity not only killed the cat; it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless, on Radio Live. Oh, there's a new Beatles album coming out. What? What? Yes, there is some more. Uh, It's going to be a revamped version of the White Album. EMI and the Beatles, those remaining, and the estates of the others, are very, very, very good at not leaking. I don't think anyone's going to hear stuff from this. It's a White Album outtakes and demos things like that uh, until it is actually released. But there were some released from kinda at the same collection of demos uh, in 1995, and you can hear them on the Beatles Anthology. But what happened was, uh, I think the kids were trying to find 60s uh, class acid uh, behind the sofa, and at George's place, the George George George, George Harrison's place, uh, where you know, George used to live. So the kids, I oh, we'll have a look, see what we can find. Dad was a bit of a, you know, he was out of it. We'll see what we can find. They found they found behind the piano, and a bit behind the sofa some tapes. And now they've got they played them, and it's the Beatles chatting amongst each other while making white album demos. And apparently it's going to be very 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 exciting. So there you go. It's gonna be called The Beatles, The White Album. Uh, And that will be early November. It's John Lennon's birth, would have been, will have been John Lennon's birthday on Tuesday, October 9. I have a little outtake from these sort of sessions that were going on uh, from the anthology, Cry Baby Cry from The White Album is just lovely. John Lennon, of course.
0: Cry, baby, cry, making mother sigh. The king of marigold was in the kitchen, cooking breakfast for the queen. The queen was in the parlor. Play piano for the children of the king. Cry, baby, cry. Make your mother sigh. She's old enough to know better. So cry, baby, cry. The king was in the garden picking flowers for a friend who came to play The Queen was in the playroom Painting pictures for the children's holiday Cry, baby, cry Make your mother sad. She's old enough to know better So cry, baby, cry The Duchess of Kikordi Always smiling and arriving Late for tea Duke was having problems with a message at the local bird be cry baby cry Make your mother sigh She's old enough to know better So cry baby cry A 12 o'clock a meeting round the table for a seance in the dark With voices out of nowhere Put on specially by the children for a love Cry, baby, cry Make your mother sigh She's old enough to know better So cry, baby, cry Cry, baby, cry Make your mother sigh She's old enough to know better so cry, baby, cry, 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 cry. Make your mother sigh. She's old enough to know better. To so cry, baby, cry. Yeah, very different version, cry,
1: baby, cry. Uh, expect more stuff like that from the White Album when it's re-released. OK. Oh, Ringo's drumming. What beautiful fills. Let
4: me say to Graham Hill, Thanks for spotting all those drum
1: fills. Oh, that's all right. That's all right, Ringo. Um, Some lovely stories behind the White Album too. There's uh, Dear Prudence, a true story. When they were in India with Maharishi's silly fella, uh, the Indian guru, um, there was this woman called Prudence there and she was suffering from a bit of culture shock, homesickness, and she would just stay in her room and wouldn't come out and join in the activities. And Paul and John thought that, well, oh, come on Prudence, and so they sang her that song and ended up on the White Album. How's that? I'd get out of the room. The Beatles are singing at me. Saying, come on out, dear Prudence, come out and play. What a thing. Real person, real story. Okay, it's nine o'clock. Sceptical thoughts in the next hour.